This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Driving Outcomes, your source for inspired solutions to address the most pressing leadership concerns of today. On each episode, we examine the latest developments in applied research and education and how it impacts your business and social outcomes. Our host, Tracy Shirachi, brings you conversations with groundbreaking researchers, educators, and business leaders who are changing the face of leadership every day. And now, here's Tracy. Hi, everyone. I have the pleasure of introducing Betsy Berkheimer Crader of 2020 Women on Boards. And today, Betsy and I are going to talk about the significance that women play or have a role on boards, and a little bit about how others can get involved and why is this such an important topic or um, discussion point right now in the context of 2020. So Betsy, could you please tell us a little bit about Women on Boards and how the organization was started and a little bit of history about how you got involved and your passion and vision for the organization? Well, Tracy, Thank you so much for inviting me. Those are a lot of questions right there. I'll try and shorten, shorten my answers to be as succinct as possible. But 2020 Women on Boards is the primary leader in uh, educating women about being on corporate boards. That's prim primarily public company boards, but in also advocating with those uh, public companies in order to point out the strengths that women would bring in terms of uh, their business experience on corporate boards, and also to um, educate women, establish major events and minor events. We do big gatherings that have gone virtual this year, of course, and we do workshops to uh, educate women about how to get themselves on corporate boards. That's what I love about 2020 Women on Boards. We're not just talking about the statistics, which we also do annually. We, on our website, 2020wob.com, we have the, the research that talks about how many women are on corporate boards in the Russell 3000 companies, which are the largest companies in the US. So um, we don't just do the research though, we do the education to help women understand that it's entirely up to them to get on a corporate board. And what's uh, also fascinating about this whole issue is that uh, most women who work and have been working women and career women for years or decades uh, never even think about the potential of serving on a corporate board and in, the, in their 50s, 60s, and even after they might retire from their day job, that they could still serve on corporate boards. And most women don't even know that corporate board members make money. They make money in addition to their own, uh, obviously their own day jobs, but they also make money in stock. And this is how um, men over the years have uh, built wealth uh, by serving on each other's company boards and uh, still do. And it's we women who are struggling to get onto boards ourselves, not only for the, for the compensation, but more importantly for the fun of running companies, the vast expansion of business networks, business contacts that you make when you're on a corporate board. And it's sort of getting to the elite or the ultimate goal of one's career. So we're educating women on how to map out and navigate their own careers toward getting to uh, corporate boards. 
So it's, uh, it's fascinating for me. I've owned a retained executive search firm for 26 years. I've done many board searches, so I know how the inside story works. I'm also very committed to uh, diversity in that uh, we are a gender of women of all ethnic backgrounds. And it is the, that gender of women for gender balance that we want to encourage and make sure we have on corporate boards for many reasons. And I'm also the, the, the author of a couple of books about this. And uh, I'm the uh, proud to say the proudest achie achievement of my life has been uh, as the prime mover behind SB 826, which is the unique first ever and may never be followed uh, law in California requiring specific numbers of women on boards at specific uh, uh, marker dates. So that gives you sort of an overview, uh, but there's a lot more to it. Well, I think what's significant, and I know by attending your event last November, and you're having one coming up in this November as well locally, is that it's not just only women too, there are men that are actively involved in helping to support the diversity of women joining boards but also just in terms of the legislation and the discussion around why did it need, why did we need to have this legislation to encourage, right, companies to have um, women on boards. And I know a podcast that I did last week with Kaori Sasaki, it was an interesting perspective because one thing that she really emphasized as she talked about her own board involvement in Japan was that she was being asked by companies to join boards, not necessarily that she needed to market herself or treat it like a, like a job, so to speak. And that was really interesting or eye-opening to me because here in the U.S., it's almost like as if you need to market yourself and be a good candidate for a board position. Yet in Japan, which um, has to, historically and culturally been a very male-dominated society, right, they were open in terms of inviting a female to their boards and not necessarily having to market yourself. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a very interesting take on board involvement, but it also was a good conversation for me to have with her because it challenged me to kind of understand why are the dynamics different here in the U.S., yet as a country, we very much have positioned ourselves to be progressive in thought and advanced in our thinking and this was just an, a different take on how different cultures or different companies approach board recruitment, right? But the other piece is diversity as people are interested in this topic right now and companies are grappling with that. Why is board involvement representative of diversity? And I think some people say sometimes it's acknowledging that your customer base, your client base, has to be reflected in your board recruitment, would you say, or your board representation of not only race and religion, but also, or sexual preference or gender, but also perspective of thought? Well, perspective of thought, yes, uh, but uh, corporate boards are not um, uh, areas where we're talking about equal representation, whether by gender or by ethnic background. Uh, corporate boards are responsible for guiding companies to make money, to be profitable, to be uh, excellent workplaces for employees. If it weren't for companies that made money and made a profit and hired people, we wouldn't have the economy that we have uh, that will recover after the virus. 
but um, companies are, are great energy builders as well as uh, revenue generators. So the people who serve on corporate boards need to be those who bring business experience, whether it's women or people of color, business experience to the board to help that company grow, make money, uh, continue to have a return to shareholders, because I'm talking about publicly held companies that are owned by shareholders, little people like you and me, and our investments and in our, our 401k plans are invested in companies um, uh, greatly across the board, even across the globe. And we as shareholders deserve the best possible advantage that the companies that our money is invested in, even if our financial advisors choose those companies, we may not get to choose them. But still, we, need, we deserve to have uh, the best possible uh, dividend and, and return on our investment even if the investment is very small. And uh, that's why having women on boards with the unique experience, women of all ethnic backgrounds, first, because um, the research that has been done over the last almost 10 years by independent organizations, Credit Suisse, which is a big, of course, financial conglomerate that's global, McKinsey, the consulting firm, and KPMG, the CPA firm, research has conclusively shown that when women are on boards, especially three women out of the, you know, told the rest would be men, um, especially three men, three women on the board, um, those companies are more profitable, more productive, and the workforce is better engaged because women are communicators. Women, especially with HR background, want to know and want to reach out to the uh, workforce. This is a very general term, but the important thing is that the research shows that when women are on boards, companies do better. Therefore, we shareholders out in this great world of ours, we shareholders deserve to have women on boards. And people, of course, we the, with the business experience that, that bring uh, advantages, the competitive advantage. I always say that having women on boards is a competitive advantage for a corporation because women bring the experience not only of being consumers, but many women today have exceptional experience in being chief human resources officers, digital marketers, uh, cybersecurity experts, and, um, and other enterprise risk uh, uh, components of, of running businesses. And these are valuable experiences, business experiences, that uh, other CEOs might not have. Boards have been traditionally other CEOs, and generally the friends of the CEO of the company. Um, uh, and, and yet those folks are uh, retiring in many cases. They might have been on the board for 30 or 40 years, which of course is too long, but they, they were friends of the CEO, and they're baby boomers now, they're retiring stepping down or should retire and ask to step down. Uh, and the result is right now is the perfect time for women to be stepping into those board positions uh, if they only knew about them. And that's the rub because all board searches are very confidential. There's never a list. Nobody's putting out an announcement of what board positions are open. It's very confidential. And the board handles uh, the outreach themselves, and they put um, about nine to 11 people on a list whom they already know, and they would already trust to be on their board. 
And oftentimes, just because their circles don't include women and people of color, therefore the list of potential candidates doesn't include women and people of color. So that's why we have to help by collaborating, by convincing, advocating for corporations that they need to be more open to looking beyond the circles of their own contacts. But that's why, and this is, I'll close on this, that women need to be developing their relationships with their banker, their CPA, their uh, attorneys, so that when um, the company that might be looking for a board member and might be looking for a woman, especially in California, when that company calls their own CPA or their attorney or their, their banker, that those individuals will remember this other woman, you, that they know through your business experience and uh, they might recommend you. So you wanna know, work your magic to let 25 contacts in business know that you have specific experience for corporate boards and that you're looking for the right corporate board for you. So it's, it's a very, it takes, it does take work on the part of, of, of women to get themselves on board, but men do the same thing. It's mm -hmm. not a given that they're going to get on the board. So they are also working their contacts diligently as we women must do a better job of doing in order to be on that list. Well, I think what you've highlighted is it's a skill and it's a skill development to really network, right? And the other piece is something I was just talking to my husband about yesterday was he's, he was joking with me that women talk too much, right? So we got into this whole discussion about dynamics or differences between how women um, approach situations versus how men approach different things. And I was joking with him back that the whole reason why women talk more is because we're more open to collaborate, but also share what we're feeling or what we're thinking. And I think something that you mentioned, which also may resonate with listeners is, as we think about the next generation of leadership for companies, right? And we think about succession planning and we think about what will drive value to shareholders and what will make companies successful in generations to come. Mm -hmm. Something that's top of mind for a lot of younger folks as they lead is this whole notion of social entrepreneurship, social ventures, solving community problems, solving social problems and social enterprise. So with that in mind, as corporations, I think, think about innovation, they think about their next acquisition target, they think about their next opportunity. It's mm -hmm. really having a keen sense of what drives customers, what drives clients, what drives future business. And with the emergence of corporate social responsibility, a lot of women have also had those divisions as C-level executives next to HR, so to speak, right? And really wow. help to spearhead a lot of those initiatives where the whole aspect of philanthropic giving and corporate foundations and giving back is not only just a good PR or good marketing, but how do you also incorporate that in terms of good employee retention, um, strong supply chain management, and other aspects that really highlight, I think, diversity and adding value. So I think as leaders think about what does that board look like, those are interesting things to highlight. And I think more importantly, what I think listeners would want to be interested in, which you highlighted a little bit more, is how should I think about joining or making myself as an individual more marketable for a board position and what is attractive to 
companies in terms of what they want to see. It's not grabbing just any female or anybody off the street, so to speak, but really like what is the package that people are aiming for to, and it's not just being friends with somebody who has access to board seats, but what is it that women should really focus upon? Well, you captured that very well, Tracy, um, that uh, the not only does a woman need to identify her top 25 contacts in business as well as personal. I mean, oftentimes your brother-in-law, you sit next to him at uh, Thanksgiving dinner once a year, and uh, you know that he happens to be a senior executive at a, at a company, but he's never, ever thought about you. Uh, not you personally, but just you in general as a as a potential board member because he doesn't really know what your business experience is that would be value added to a board. So this is what we train women to do. And I call them high impact sound bites because they are sound bites that point out the specific value added experience that you bring as to a corporate board and not just as a woman. Um, uh, which is good in that regard too, but still, there's much more that you that you need to articulate and and be bringing to the board. So it's funny that you started off by saying, "Well, women talk too much." That's the bad rap. That we That's what my about. husband said to me yesterday. He's like, "Why yeah. do you talk so much on well, the phone and everything?" You're right. We 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 communicate a lot of background, and I, uh, me too, married all these years. My husband will say, will you please get to the point? And I'm trying to give him all the background, and then I want to give him the, the, the closing line. But uh, that's that's not the way uh, in, in many men think, especially even your husbands. Just get to the point, tell me the background later. But we women do want to tell the whole story. That's the way we communicate, and that's the way we certainly communicate very well with other women when we are telling the whole backstory, but it's not as, 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 as succinct as men need. So uh, that's what we train women to do in our workshops, for example, with the high impact sound bites, is be very specific about your value added experience. So there are only three bullets, let me give you these, uh, these three bullets, we can, we can repeat them later. But uh, so that if anybody is listening and doesn't have your note paper out right now, these are the three things that you need to say very succinctly at a cocktail party or to your lawyer, your banker, your attorney, um, uh, to tell them of your interest. You say, I intend to serve on a public company board. I'm looking for the right one for me. And here's bullet number one. My business experience is... 26 years as leading uh, human resources for a brand name company or having worked for clients who are brand name companies as attention getters, uh, dropping those brand names uh, to anybody who you need to emphasize or to impress that you're not uh, a lower level employee, but you've been a division leader. Uh, you have experience that would be valuable to a company to, as I said earlier, help them build business help them grow strategically, bringing your business acumen to that company. So the first bullet is about your business experience. The second bullet is about your prior board experience. Now, many times we women, in fact, it's the chicken and the egg. How can you get prior board experience if you can't get on a public company board? 
Well, there are other things that count as prior board experience because it doesn't mean checking the box that you've been on a board. It means that you understand how boards work and you understand how not just Robert's Rules of Order and, and motions, I'm not talking about that, but you understand the dynamic of a board. And so you could have learned that in a large nonprofit board, in your industry association, your trade, your trade, the trade association of your industry, you could easily get on that board and learn how boards work with the dynamic of communication and how the committees work. Or you could get onto a public commission, uh, city, county, or state, at the websites of city, county, or state, wherever you are, there are listings of commission openings, like the, the Parks and Rec Commission, or the Police Commission, or a commission for the ophthalmologist. Different commissions that, that uh, regulate how those industries uh, operate in city, county, and state. And if you are, uh, can get an appointment to a commission, there are lots of openings. You have to get your resume into the, um, if it's the mayor or the city, county supervisors or the governor of the state or senators, you don't have to know these people. You just get your resume into them and you can be on a commission. So the, the second bullet that is prior board experience is, well, I've been on the board of United Way, I ran the fundraising committee, or I've been on the uh, Parks and Recreation Commission, and it was a $50 million budget. Uh, and you want to get those budget numbers in there because um, uh, men listen to how large the budgets are. They just do. And backing up to your business experience, when you mention a big company, you need to say it's a $5 billion company or $10 billion company. And so they also are calibrating, well, this woman really understands business. She's talking dollars and cents. She's not just a, an assistant, which they automatically assume. They automatically assume that we're all executive assistants. So uh, again, this is at a cocktail party. This is not a board interview because this is long before getting to a board interview. This is just getting to know people. And this is what you tell your, your 25 contacts. So the third bullet then is I am immediately qualified to serve on a specific committee. And there are three big committees on corporate boards. There's the audit committee, audit and finance, which is why boards want CFOs or finance experts on their boards. There's a compensation committee, and that committee is responsible for the compensation of the CEO and senior management. And then there is the ESG committee, which is environment, social, and governance. Governance meaning the management of the, the bylaws and the governing of the company. And that's become, because of environment and social, a very popular committee, and they need, boards need experts who understand environment, social media, digital marketing, and governance issues. And then there's also enterprise risk or some um, uh, additional committees, but those are the big three. So if in your three bullets you can say in a cocktail conversation, well, you know, I have 26 years of experience at uh, XYZ company, which is $5 billion and a leader in the certain industry. And then my prior board experience is uh, the American Cancer Society and I was the treasurer of the board. And then um, I could immediately serve on the compensation committee because I've been a chief human resources officer for years. So those three bullets are it. And I, and it's, and we can help women to succinctly say what your, your value added experience to a business would be. Those are the three things. 
and that's what they want to hear. And then they can never say, well, that woman doesn't talk too much. <laughs> I might be talking too much at this various moment, at this moment, because I'm trying to tell you so much. But uh, that's what you need to say about yourself. But I think that's really key is like how you communicate is really critical and adapting to your audience and who you're talking to, which is what you're highlighting, as well as what are the three key points that you want to drive home, but more importantly, declare that you want to be on a board. Because if you don't say that you're interested in being on a board, how do you expect anyone to know that they should consider you? And I think the example that you use about, you know, your brother-in-law that you see at Thanksgiving, oftentimes when we're socializing with people, we don't talk shop around what we do as a profession or we try not to talk about work because we wanted, we don't want to change the environment or the culture of that conversation because we want to keep it social or we want to keep it personal and we kind of bifurcate areas of our life. Right. And people don't know that you can add value in these areas if you don't say it. But you also have to say it succinctly because people only have an attention span of a matter of seconds nowadays. And so if you don't say it succinctly, they're going to turn you off and move yeah. on to the next topic. And then there, go, there went your opportunity, right? So the elevator pitch, which they used to say was the equivalent of riding up an elevator, I like to say now it's not an elevator pitch, but a what can you say in three seconds that intrigues somebody to want to oh, talk nice. with you more? Because no one has time and their chances are they're multitasking or they're thinking about something else in their head and they're not even thinking about the conversation they're having with the person they're talking to right. at times. And we're training women uh, through our get on board workshops that when you are at dinner with your, your family, women don't want to boast either. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that you have to say. I think we're afraid to. We think that yeah. we're, be, we're too much ego driven or that yeah. we're... Um, you know, narcissistic or, I mean, those are our own preconceived, um, you so know, you female it in bias. a friendly way or anecdotal way. By the way, when I was, I've been there 26 years at this $10 billion company. And so I know that I have the, uh, the business experience to be on corporate boards. You can say it in a non boastful way, but we're training women to be sure, especially when the holidays come up, whether it's Labor Day picnics or Thanksgiving dinner or holidays or Christmas, you practice telling your contacts, your family, your friends, that you are, as you just said, Tracy, specifically looking for a public company board, and I want to uh, bring my expertise uh, to, to help that company grow. And so I bring this experience. I've served on prior nonprofit boards or commissions and I can immediately serve on the finance committee. Uh, they're gonna remember that. They're gonna remember that. And uh, so this is what we train women in our Get On Board workshop. And we have three more um, uh, this summer out of our series of 10. And so that'll be uh, one in late August and two in September, where we train women how to, what their sound bites are and should be, and then how to D develop that list of 25 contacts, call them up, invite them to a, a cup of coffee over a Zoom meeting, since nobody can get together right now, but, and tell them the same sound bites and ask for their advice. Uh, just to, they, you know, men love to give advice. <laughs> I think everybody likes to give advice. Right? Yeah. Everyone like, to a certain extent, people appreciate when someone asks them questions and they can talk about their knowledge and be able to share. Like, I think what people want to be helpful. And so asking 
somebody, how can you approach this or how can I take part in a board or even help me educate me about what is a corporate board and what do corporate boards do or whatever it may be. I think it's just starting that conversation. Yes. And you can find out a lot of that information on our 2020wob.com website. Uh, With all the research, you can look at 3,000 companies on our research throughout the U.S., how many women they have on their boards. And you can also see um, uh, what boards do and become more educated about why uh, boards would want certain expertise on their their leadership uh, bodies. And uh, we also get into, of course, our, our big events and where we will hold events in 30 cities this year. We have a big, huge global broadcast about the global situation of women on boards. And I'm going to uh, talk to Kaori about uh, Japan as well and feature her. We have UK um, uh, statistics, how women are doing there, also Europe and Mexico City and our statistics in the US, which gives a wonderful global picture of uh, women leaders changing the world, but we have a long way to go. In the US, we just made it to 20% of the seats of the Russell 3000 being held by women. We need to make it to 30, 40, 50% for gender balance and for good input from both genders of all colors, but both genders on on, on corporate boards. So that's what we train uh, women all about. And we also have an alliance with um, Board Suited, which is our online training program, much more in-depth of what boards do, and that's um, also reachable through our through our website. And um, so we, we're focused on training, and that's, uh, I think it's, it's part the of biggest it. thing and to get more women to be on board. Exactly. And the other piece I think you highlighted is we need our male supporters and our male counterparts to be supportive of it too, because they're often, like you said, a part of these conversations. And in order for us to, you know, take part in boards, I think we definitely need our male mentors, our male supporters, and our male advocates to help us get there. And it's not something that we just do alone as women, but something that we also need our male counterparts to help us to do too. Very much so. And we're, we're focused on collaborating with male CEOs and women CEOs to, um, um, spread the word about what what when what business experience women do bring i mentioned earlier about how men network among their circles of contacts could even be their golf buddies their uh, university alumni but they they don't they're not practiced at having uh, circles of contacts that also include women and people of color so that's why the lists are so sparse um, of, of all of us when we well, I was joking watch. that um, but with a bunch of women that we need to like play football and we need to like go to football games and we need to learn golf. Golf. And we need golf to golf. also help, you know, hang out with our male counterparts. Um, and it kind of goes two ways in terms of social uh, networking and social breath is really yeah. both parties have to take part in some of these activities. I mean, my husband, I always like to yeah. say he likes going to get manicures and pedicures with me and oftentimes he's the one sitting in the seat and I'm not because he likes it a lot right and we often associate that with uh women only but men like that too you know it's not necessarily gender specific so how can we all get involved in terms of support well I wasn't thinking of the nail shop so much but you know same thing here but well not uh, right now I should say the nail shop right (laughs) in the future we pray 
but uh, a lot of the the uh, uh, the glue, the cohesiveness of a corporate board is cultural fit. I don't like that term, but it just means collegial chemistry. And so the interacting in uh, social situations, informal situations, business situations, when you get to know men and women who serve on corporate boards, then they get to know you as a person um, beyond your business experience. And gee, do we have chemistry with this person? And you don't want to be on a board where you don't have chemistry with the CEO or with the other board members because you're going to be spending a couple of days of, uh, uh, each, well, not each month, but each quarter, unless you're on a bank board, a bank board generally meets every month because they're deep into the financials of the bank. But the uh, most companies publicly held uh, have quarterly board meetings and review the quarterly financial statements. And, um, but you're going to spend a lot of time with those uh, board members. And if there's ever a crisis, as there is now, uh, oftentimes it takes more meetings and more Zoom calls for that board to be uh, determining how the company is going to grapple with the, uh, the, whole, the whole landscape of issues. And that can take more and more time. So I do want to address the fact that women do need to think about, this is not a retirement game. You need to be thinking in your 40s, at least, in your 40s about how you're navigating your career to ultimately serve on a corporate board that way. And believe it or not, if you're only in your 40s right now, it doesn't seem like you'll ever be 60. But I can tell you it does happen. I mean, it happens like overnight. So, <laughs> but you start working on this in your 40s and then your 50s, you're making more contacts. And maybe in your later 50s that you'll start to be on your first corporate board while you are working. Because boards want people, men and women, who are very much in the game and have current business contacts. That's the new contemporary corporate board full of current business contacts. And then in your 60s, then you're really a very productive board member. And uh, um, the 60s are your best years to be on a corporate board because uh, the generally accepted retirement age is 75. So, and uh, every board would want to have a board member on for about 15 years. So let's say you get on in your early 60s and in your 70s, you're creeping close to 75, you're going to have to step down. Most companies expect uh, retirements at 75. Now, a lot of people don't want to give up those seats. <laughs> I was going to say, they don't want to give up their seats. What do you do then? <laughs> yeah, it's then they're going to have to be asked to be down, step down or uh, refer to the California law, SB 826, and say, look, uh, we have to have a woman on this board. Either you're going to have to step down or we need to add a seat, which boards can do all the time. They don't have to step down in order to make room for a woman. They just add another board seat. And uh, that's what we put into the law, that if there is not a retirement or someone stepping down, then you must add a seat to the board to add one woman in 2019, which 200 companies did, and, and a total of or a minimum of three by the end of 2021. And that's going to mean 600 more board seats by the end of 2021 for women, which is why California is the, the epicenter uh, beyond the earthquakes we had two days ago, the <laughs> center of getting women on boards. And if uh, you uh, listening to this podcast happen to be on another state, you can certainly serve on a board in California. And if you know CEOs or directors of public companies, 
um, please get your, your resume and a letter of your interest off to that CEO and say, I know you're looking for more women on your boards. I mean, check out their website to make sure they don't already have three, but three is not even enough, but three is the law by the end of 2021. And if they only have one or two, they're, they're going to be looking for that third one and you may as well be it. But get your letter off to uh, the California CEOs pretty quick. Cool. What I think is a good thing to highlight for listeners is that given that the real push is really 2020 because we're almost in 2021 in six months from now or less than six months. And then before you know it, the end of the end of 2021 will be here. So I think in terms of individuals wanting to learn more, definitely going to your website and looking more into the workshops would be a good first step as individuals think about this in terms of their professional and personal career and decision. So. Yes, and it doesn't matter where they live because we've had people attend our workshops because it's virtual from Italy, from Spain, from the UK, and from all the cities in the, the US or major cities and even some minor cities because companies are based everywhere. Public companies, you know, they don't have to be in the financial centers of New York and LA anymore. They can be out in um, Woodland Hills or uh, Topeka, Kansas. They don't have to be in the big financial center. So, yeah, but you don't have to be on a board that's close to you either. It's often ideal if you can get yourself on a board in your same time zone, uh, especially in these days of weird air travel. <laughs> or you don't want to be up at odd hours of the night because somebody's uh, meet, they're having, they're convening a board meeting late at night. So that might be another advantage. Another reason to be in the same time zone for sure. And to make sure that you could drive there if possible uh, in this day and age, who knows how long this is going to last. But, uh, and just when, when, because the, the law uh, will continue, but the deadlines will have been met by the end of 2021 but the effort to continue to get more women on boards will, will go on. It's not sunsetting in 2021, nor is the law going away. But we're the only state and uh, to ever have such a law. I don't expect other states to have such a law just because even though the state of Washington, for example, just passed a, a law requiring 25% women on their boards, but the very next line in that law says, well, if you don't want to do that, all you have to do is provide a uh, report of your diversity efforts to the state government, state government, just a report. And that's what also Illinois and Michigan and Massachusetts and New York have done is say simply provide a diversity efforts report of your efforts. Well, we are the only state in California that required a law that you had to have one woman by the end of 19 and you had to have a total or a minimum of three by the end of 2021. And that has had the ripple effect throughout the, the country. We weren't the first in the globe though. Uh, Norway was the first country to require 30% and then Sweden and then France 40%. And then Germany was the biggest economy, Angela Merkel herself drove this through in 2015 that Germany requires 30% women on every corporate board. So, you know, the rest of the U.S. is just behind, but uh, hopefully they'll catch up, but on their own. I don't think we're going to need more laws to require them to catch up. No. So well, I appreciate you sharing with us, Betsy, so that all of us can learn more and just encourage our listeners to um, take a look at women on boards and 2020 women on boards specifically in your website and the workshop just so that they can learn more and understand how they can get involved and also as 
our male listeners are listening, how they can better support some of these initiatives and support women and diversity and inclusion and all the things that I think are top of mind for a lot of individuals right now. So I really appreciate your time and sharing with us and talking about your organization and just spending this Friday afternoon with us. So thank you. Could I add too that if they want uh, either of my two books that are the Bibles about how to get on corporate board, it's called Winning the Board Game. And it's uh, on Amazon or at uh, my website, winningtheboardgame.com. Perfect. Thank you, Betsy. Bye, Tracy. Great talking to you. You too. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Driving Outcomes. If you'd like to listen to or download other episodes of Driving Outcomes, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast networks. Please also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn as The Mark USA. We hope you'll join us again next week for more conversations with today's leaders who are driving for results and achieving phenomenal business outcomes. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating $1 million in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.